I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. It's Nick and Neil's Summer Millwall History Show. No Millwall supporter can follow our club for very long, listeners, before becoming aware uh, of the, what we might call the dark side of our history. Um, <laughs> I don't think anyone can truthfully follow our club and and not know of it. Um, let's let's be let's be adults here, listeners. Joining me to discuss the darker side of Millwall history, namely. Um, the ground closures of of Mill history is, is uh, my my confederate, my my co-pilot, Mr. Neil Fissler. Welcome to the show, Neil. You're determined to get us cancelled for this one, aren't you? <laughs> I, I I think you you can't follow the lions and not know of this. It's it, you know it, it's it's impossible. I, I think it's, it's a very fine balance to walk. Um, if uh, that makes no sense, anyway, you, listeners know what I mean. Um, I hope because you, I, I don't, I've never wanted to do a show, Neil, that, pres- that kind of revels in 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 what we're talking about here, but equally, you, you can't not acknowledge a the fact that it exists, and yeah, secondly, the humor, the humor that comes with it. You can't, it, there's a there's a there's a there's a hard balance to, to find in there, I think. Yeah, definitely, and I don't. Yeah, we are a Millwall history thing uh, show, so we are talking about Millwall history, and this is Millwall history. It's uh, and it's an aspect of Millwall's history that is never spoken about. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to try. We're going to we're going to cover the um, the four times that Millwall's um, ground has been closed. In fact, it, it's the. Part of the reason that um, I thought it would be worth mentioning this is because I, I read a piece the other day that FIFA are, are talking about closing grounds in the, in the recent um, spate of, of pitch invasions and, and um, assaults that have happened at various locations across uh, Europe and the world, for that matter. Um, but they're talking about and trying to close grounds as a punishment for uh, for, for such incidents. Um, of course, we more than any club. I don't know if actually we've had the most ground closures. I couldn't find that record online. I, I don't know if anyone actually keeps a a, a note of of the, the most you know club with the most. Um, we we would be contenders for such a uh, is it a crown or an infamous crown anyway? Um, with four ground closures over course of our history, Neil. Um, the first one that I found um, was in nineteen twenty. And it followed a 1-0 win for Millwall 
<laughs> um, over Newport County. Match played on the 16th of October in 1920. Goal scorer Keane in front of 25,000 at Coldblow Lane. Um, just our 11th game as a football league club, Neil. Um, and I found a, a wonderful um, report from the London Daily News dated the 18th of, of October 1920. Headline, um, goalkeeper and crowd, lively incidents at the Millwall ground. Welsh team's fault. And I love that. Um, you know, that's, that's allocated. That's got them um, blamed, done and dusted. It's their fault, really. Um, this 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 followed an incident in which um, the, the Newport goalkeeper became embroiled in an argument with the cold blow lane end, I think, and waded in, started a fist fight broke out involving the player and the crowd. Um which is, you know, which is quite something, isn't it? I mean, eat your heart out, Eric Cantona. Yeah, no, well, Newport County were described as dirty in one match report. Dirty. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I asked a question on Twitter earlier on. What kind of place was Newport in yeah. the 1920s? And uh, I, I suggested to a Welsh journalist that it might have been industrial and tough. Yeah. And he agreed. There were other people that said tough, but not as tough as the valleys. <laughs> uh, but it was a booming place because apparently uh, steel, isn't it? Is it not a steel town, Newport, in, in, in its time? Or I, have I got it wrong? Yeah, there are also docks. It's coal. Docks. It's all sorts. It's a yeah. It's one of those industrialized centres, isn't it? The whole yeah, yeah. Like but apparently. Uh, the referee, one EA Rogers, should have inserted himself more on the game than he did. Right. The took punishment, but the yeah. crowd was not as tolerant as the players, according to one match report. <laughs> and uh, so the game turned very, it, it was played in a very ugly mood. Mm. And, yeah, but I love all of this stuff. And Jack <laughs> Cooper, who was the Newport County goalkeeper, was was an FA Cup winner with Barnsley in 1912. So probably tells you that probably not the worst kind of player, but certainly would have been one of those players who didn't take any shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he jumped over the fence <laughs> to have it out with the barracas <laughs> that were behind him. And one match report said... Uh, how the game ended without a riot is a mystery. <laughs> and, uh, um, and Mr. Cooper proceeded to punish his assailants with his fists. <laughs> and we get the ground closed. In, in, impetuous <laughs> action, my report says here. Impetuous. Uh, the crowd, um, well, the crowd, in fairness to Cooper, um, and this is the Daily News report, you know, the Millwall crowd were visiting the sins of his associates. So the, the outfield players who were committing this dirty, rough, rough play, uh, the goalkeeper was getting the the he's getting his ear bent for it. And I imagine one word has, has led to another. What a phrase that was! <laughs> the sins of his associates. The sins of his associates, um, and they continue on your theme. Actually, uh, uh, Cooper was ill-inspired when he jumped over the fence to have it out with his barrackers behind the goal. Um, it'll be a pity indeed if the league calls him um, over the, hauls him over the coals for his natural impetuosity. Um, uh, the reporter here says there was every semblance of a rough house until near the close of play. 
Um, and it, I just love that phrase, a rough house. I remember an old boy when I first started going, said, referring to a, a rough house when some fan, away fans um, dared show their faces in Coldflow Lane. It's, it's a phrase that's always stuck in my my head. Um, Newport County says the report here showed up well in one department, which was roughness, and Mill could not compare in that in that sense. Um, another another um, report. I, I can't believe this actually. Listen, unsportsmanlike Mill crowd would give Newport a bad time. Can you believe that, Neil? Un, unsportsmanlike them then? Corinthians, I would have thought. <laughs> yeah, but we are the Corinthians of football fans, aren't we? <laughs> believe it. Yeah, oh, dear. and honesty and everything else. But funnily enough, I was reading this earlier on. I should have researched this a long time ago, but I didn't. Yeah. But I I was left with a sense of injustice towards Millwall. Because yeah, yeah. You know, at no point, yeah, the judgment says missiles were thrown by a section of spectators. St was, stones, stones, according to this. I think stones were chucked at him. Yeah, but that wasn't originally said, was it? No, um, no. Let's face it. Yeah, we have got previous for stoning players. I think anybody <laughs> knew, yeah, I think I've read of that on the Isle of Dogs. Didn't we did yeah. we did a brick land on someone's head? Um, yeah, we did it in a podcast, didn't we? I think mm, mm. a couple of years ago. But but stones were thrown and there was a considerable amount of disorderly conduct, bad language, and intimidation of visiting players. Now then, one, you want to intimidate the visiting players. <laughs> Good God almighty. Oh, dear. 102 years ago, listeners, there you we are. Just, you have any bad language and you cannot intimidate the visitors. Don't be a tosser. Don't be a tosser. No. Be a tosser. Um, but Jimmy Broad was censored for his comments made to the referee. Yeah. And uh, I believe that Mr. Cooper was reported to the FA of Wales, who would have been in charge of all disciplinary matters pertaining to Welsh teams. And uh, our ground was closed. And it was indeed. The Pall Mall Gazette. I do, I do like to keep raise the tone of our journalism here. The Pall Mall Gazette uh, says uh, the commission of the FA met today to consider disturbances that occurred at the mill ground on the occasion of the league match with Newport. Uh, decided after hearing the evidence to order the mill ground be closed from November the 22nd until December the 4th. Inclusive and further, the mill will pay the expenses of the commission. So we have to pay costs, basically, um, which forced out um, a home fixture with Norwich City. I think we solved that, Neil, by reversing the fixture. We played Norwich away, which was due to be a home game, and then reversed it, as they used to back then, by playing them outside the uh, the closed zone, so to speak. So yeah, we, yeah, we played them at the nest. But, but something I didn't realise was, of which boiled my blood to a certain extent was the Nigels had their hovel closed at the yeah. same day uh, was closed during the same period for attacking South End players as they left the pitch following a cup tie no then it, it, it just seems as if it was just one penalty fits all like, yeah. we only threw a few things at the yeah, but the visiting goalkeeper who then proceeded to jump into the crowd. <laughs> it still hurts. It still hurts, listeners. So. Yeah, it's bloody annoying. There we are. 1920 uh, was the first of the four occasions upon which 
Millwall suffered the the uh, indignity of having our stadium closed. Shall we move along, Neil? Um, the second occasion um, came in, well, f- uh, 14 years later. Millwall, Neil, Bradford Park Avenue won a Division Two fixture played on March the 24th, 1934, which was a tough season. This was a relegation season for Millwall. And also we'd suffered the, the death of uh, long-term manager Bob Hunter, great name. We've mentioned Bob Hunter many, many times on the show. So this was a pretty tough season, really, to be a Mill fan. 9,882 at Coldblow Lane. Um, the Sheffield Independent, Neil, speaks of an incensed crowd. Mill followers create a disturbance. Remarkable scenes occurred at the end of the second division match between Mill and Bradford at New Cross. With about a quarter of an hour's play remaining, the crowd became so incensed they were displeased by some of the referees' decisions, common, common feature of Mill life, that certain section of the crowd pelted Mr B.L. Clark of Birmingham, Birmingham, referee, with missiles. When the whistle went for time, the majority of the crowd refused to leave the, the stadium and a big force of police had to be called before uh, nearly half an hour later the spectators were finally dispersed. After several demonstrations against the referee, the Millwall players and the directors of Millwall <laughs> became a gathered pace that escalated that one, didn't it? Yeah, but the only people that got away with it were the Bradford players, I think. <laughs> and uh, but I think it was an interesting time in Millwall history. I think we changed our style of play that season. There was right. a, there was an interesting uh, newspaper article. Apparently, Bill McCracken tried to bring a better class of football to the den. But it failed miserably. Mm. We were and um, that we were relegated, and a note was made that 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 the players probably weren't helped by the booing and the jeering and the throwing of missiles. Probably had something. To do. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh dear! Yeah. yeah, another draconian penalty. We were ordered to close the ground for the first two weeks of the following season. Yep. at the end of the season, and we were not allowed to play within a six-mile radius. They used to do that, didn't they? They used to impose, um, you know, X number of miles radius. Yeah, well, Manchester there. United, it happened when they ran riot in Saint-Étienne in the... That's right. Yeah, it was but, a Euro- um, European Cup game, when it played at... Was it Plymouth they played at? Yeah, no, it was played down there. Home Park. Yeah. yeah, but it had to be 200 miles away from Manchester. Manchester, that's right. I think we, we well, well, we'll come back. I'm, I'm jumping around, listeners. I'll talk about uh, the, 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 the others later. Um, I've got a wonderful report from the Sunday Dispatch, 25th of March, 1934. Um, incidents of the police and the Millwall crowd, conflicting views of the match scene. Uh, their special correspondent, we, we, you know you're in trouble when a special correspondent is dispatched to Millwall. Probably their war correspondent. <laughs> um, hooliganism, there's a word, hooliganism amongst some of the spectators. Missiles were thrown at the referee and the visiting players, and a policeman had to walk onto the pitch to quell the unruly players. He's had to get involved with the, the players. Um, there was an incident when a Bradford player was laying on the ground and all, to all intents unconscious with practically all members of both sides round him aiming blows at one another. So there's one man down and a, a, a free-for-all <laughs> going on around him. Uh, at the end of the game, the Bradford players left the field. They, they won it 1-0, um, pelted with missiles. Uh, the referee was called for. They, the, the angry spectators wanted the referee thrown to them, like, um, like, um, like, the, like the, the January the 6th Capitol Hill mob um, wanting the, the, 
was it was his name mike pence they wanted him thrown out um and they didn't dispense the area until after the game under police supervision um some great comments here from Tom Thorne. There was he's, he's, he's had to speak up again, Tom. Um, yeah, poor old Tom. Yeah, <laughs> with all of this, yeah, he set, set this up on the other. Talks. To, yeah, but then he had to deal with all of this, and yeah, well, I do feel sorry for John Berylson having to deal with some of this stuff. But this guy's dealt with it two or three times. So Tom says that yes, there was some barracking of the referee at the close of the match. Just as there often is at any ground, um, there was yes, there was some cat calling outside the director's room, but nothing else. Uh, it's untrue to say there was any interference by the police at any time. One of our players got hurt by running over the touchline against the fence, and the policeman helped the trainer to pick him up. Um, Very nice. And assist into the dressing room. No police went onto the field of play. No missiles were thrown at the referee or the crowd. And the crowd dispersed without the intervention of the police. No complaints against players or crowd was made to any official or to the Millwall Football Club. So basically, everything that we've read is was untrue. Pack a lot. Pack a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure what's worse: you know, <laughs> Millwall games or referees throughout his Oh dear, and as you say rightly, um, the ground was closed as a consequence and uh, the first two weeks of the season, 1934-35 season. Um, and that, you might think, will be that, but not down the den, dear listeners. So that was 1934. Uh, we're going to take you 13 years forward now, Neil, to... With, with, We've, we've had a, a, a worldwide conflict, but no peace at the den. Not 1947, 18th of October... Millwall draw 3-3 with Barnsley in front of 23,627. And a familiar story of the referee being escorted from the pitch again, accompanied by police. Um, You're not the first time in Millwall history and nor the last time in Millwall history. No, no. Um, This is the weekly dispatch um, escort for referee a police escort for referee after a rather a too vigorous a match. I think that's masterful understatement. That is, that's Tom Thorne level of um, under, underplaying <laughs> a situation. Um, 17 minutes from the end, Mill leading 3-2 listeners, Barnsley were awarded the penalty from which Baxter scored, making it three each. Annoyed by the award of the penalty, a number of spectators rushed onto the ground at the end and police escorted referee Ted's uh, to his dressing room. Um, so that's all we grappled with somebody, apparently, according to one of them. Grappled with him. I'm... That's a good word. I like that. Grappling. You don't get enough grappling going on in, in this world. Yeah, I would have thought that they probably beat the shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> He'd give a penalty. He's given a late penalty. We could, we've, we've lost points there. Um, there we are. I, I, I only found that one match um, report. Um, we were. I love this report. The the uh, the Penge Gazette. We wouldn't have thought that'd be a very friendly paper towards us. The Penge Gazette, dated twelfth of August, nineteen forty-seven, said that Mill was sore over the penalties that had been meted out by the FA. The ground was closed for a week, which had dashed our hopes of having our biggest gate of the season, which I imagine was the um, oh, Saturday's game with New, Newcastle. Sorry, yeah. yeah, Newcastle United. The game had to be moved to yeah. sell out. Uh, because the six-mile radius, that draconian rule again, 
yeah. ruled out as giving the Valley one of the greatest days in in, in their history by hosting a Millwall game. Absolutely. Um, Jack Cox said he was feel, he, we feel sore about the whole thing, particularly that the decision should have been held over for so long and imposed on us when we were expecting a record crowd of the season. We've just spent £4,000 on the centre forward and we were hoping we we're never going to be hit badly financially. Yeah, um, and, uh, and not for the first time in Millwall history, nor the last yet again. Mm. Secretary Cecil Lindley mm. uh, commented... The club and spectators have to suffer for the actions of one or two people who can't keep their tempers. Hot, hot heads, they are. They? Hot heads. <laughs> Can you imagine that? No. We think, and we think that don't be a toss that was bad enough. I don't know if any of this sounds familiar to your listeners. Hot heads that can't keep their tempers. I don't know if you've ever come across that at the den. Um, never, ever, ever. All the people. Yeah, the people got hot-headed and failed to keep their tempers. I <laughs> there we are. Um, so, yeah, uh, the punishment meeting at 1947. Um, and that brings us on to um, a game I remember. I was at. I was there, dear listeners. Uh, 1978, Millwall won. In FA Cup quarterfinal, Millwall won. Ipswich down six. Played on the 11th of March 1978 in front of 22,882, one of which was me. Um, and it, this is some, some much more noticeably how much more lurid the, um, the journalism becomes near when you, you fast forward to the late 70s. Um, I'm looking at the Daily Mirror here, which has the famous, infamous quote from Bobby Robson that. Um, the, the the Millwall fans are animals and he'd take a flamethrower to which was I think was said in the heat of um post-riot tumult. Um but the you know the whole back page there's a picture of a chap here I've got with two St John's ambulance men with his the guy's got his head cut open. Um rioting Millwall fans brought yesterday's FA Cup quarterfinal at the den to a halt for 18 minutes after they started attacking Ipswich fans. Um it was on a match of the day, I think, as well, which added to, um, you know, it was the first one, I suppose, it was televised <laughs> and the others were all played in front of special correspondents from the gentleman from the press. This was actually on, on BBC TV, which didn't help our cause. Yeah, no, I think that obviously there was, yeah, this just wasn't a Millwall, strictly a Millwall problem. It was something that was happening all up and down the country. Yeah. Saturday of the season. Yeah. But you watched a big match and that, and uh, the big match revisited, and you never see it, do you? It's almost like now when they, somebody runs onto the pitch now, they pan away and they start showing you the mundane yeah. shot or the eating a hot dog or something like that, don't they? Or eating a pie when <laughs> it's ensuing, and they almost gloss over it, don't they? They do, they do. I mean, it was it was a game that was getting away from us. We were behind early, I think, from memory. To, Ipswich were a first division side, and we were struggling. Still second division, I think, but we were struggling under Jules Petty at this point. It was the beginning of a fairly tough period in Mill history. This game also post-dated the infamous uh, BBC Panorama programme that had been put out in the late 77, I think. In fact, it, the, the report here refers to Mill supporters and the notor their notoriety when they were featured on BBC's Panorama. 
Um, I think one one thing that really leaps out at me is um, it, it was the beginning of the the an associ- a name association that's never escaped us now as a club that this is a trouble club that, that you know uh, what happens at other clubs somehow isn't um, seen as nearly as bad as the notorious Millwall Football Club, and I, I think that association really began from this this mid late seventies period onwards, and, and the, the events of Panorama, and then the uh, the Ipswich games. We've never shaken it. I don't think we ever will shake it entirely, no matter how many um, good deeds and good good works that the uh, the club and fans do. There's always going to be that linkage, and it starts from here, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Ipswich, I think, didn't they win the cup that year? Didn't they, they did, seventy eight. Yeah, they went on to beat um, was it Arsenal in the cup final? I yeah, one there, wasn't it? The, oh, good side, oh, good Lamb side. Score, yeah. But this was a brilliant Ipswich team. Uh, but but no, you're right. I think I think whatever Millwall does and whatever the work that Millwall do, and let's face it, they're a lot of people at Millwall that do hell of a lot of good absolutely, work. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, Kelly Webster, the... Yeah, the Food Bank and, and the Community Trust generally. I mean, and it does. Community Trust, show yeah. people like that. But we never get... Well, we don't get credit for it, I don't think, because people are always looking at... If something happens at Millwall, it's amplified 10 times, whereas if it if the same thing... Happened three weeks on the trot at another club. It's it, yeah. It's kind of swept under the carpet to a certain extent, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think there's a. I, 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 these are my own personal theory, listeners. But I think there's a public hunger for. It. I think I think every pantomime needs its villain, and um, that 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 is us. You know, um, the the linkage you can you can talk about. Um, other clubs all you till you blue in the face, but it's no one's ever gonna do anything other than associate Millwall with 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 um trouble. It's just it's just it's become so embedded in people the popular mind that I, I don't there's no there's no changing that I I don't think much as uh, many many people do try to. Um and this you know this this there's quotes here from Owen Beeman who's still around father uh, Reverend Owen Beeman near the, near the local Dockland church um, he says members of the National Front were in the crowd stirring up trouble. Um, I don't know. Um, couldn't tell you um, personally. Um, there were Union Jacks in the crowd and they're not the flags of Mill Football Club. Um, who knows? Who knows? Um, but the, the back page um, coverage, you know, you know, it's when we're front page and back page, Neil, you know, it's been a bad night. The day, <laughs> fan fury, fan fury. We get a death sentence for the club, says Jules Petty. He was a death sentence for the club, Jules Petty, without the fans. Yeah, um, some of this team, I think, if you have to have a look with <laughs> Brian Chambers, um, Brian Hamilton. And oh, these are tough, tough times. Um, they really were, but it. it in some ways, he's right. Well, we never really get over these incidents, do we? It takes us no, we don't. No. To get over this and the Luton, uh, yeah, uh, the yeah, the evening out. Well, there were there were incidents. I mean, this was seventy eight, and there was an FA Cup tie where I think there was a, a, a match played at Slough. I think in the FA Cup in the early eighties, where it kicked off. Um, 
And I think we were, I mean, it's, it's, it's quite difficult maybe for younger fans to realise just how low the, the gates were at this time, you know, in the aftermath of these these incidents. I, I remember going to one game, um, if there were 3,000 people in the den, I've been surprised. And it was, it was just a sense of um, the, uh, the club was fading away, Neil, somehow, um, in, in those early 80s years. I mean, the, the players were, were poor. The form were struggling in the third division. And it just seemed that the club was um, was dying. I mean, maybe the death sentence here was not so inaccurate. Um, the punishment for the Ipswich game was that uh, the, the ground would be closed um, for the visit of Bristol Rovers and Mansfield. Uh, that to be played at a ground more than 12 miles from Millwall, which led to one of the strangest games I've ever been to, which was a home game against Bristol, played at Fratton Park in, in uh, at Pompey's ground. And I went down to that game. That's very strange. Yeah, it never made also. sense to me back then. Now, if your ground's closed, you play it behind closed doors, don't you? Yeah, they didn't do that then for some reason. Don't know why. Whereas we were allowed to go to Pompey, who, yeah. who had a, a troubled history of their own. Bringing in the Bristol Rovers, who were no slouches on their on their day, or they weren't in the seventies anyway. Um, and then it will take us to Portsmouth. Um, I, it was, it was a that was a we got beat as well, listeners, which didn't help. It's um, you know, my memory of it is still scarred. Um, we got we got fined 1500 pounds and we were banned from playing FA Cup ties at home for next the next two seasons. Um, and what all more safety precautions were ordered that they, they, that didn't really come to pass until the mid 80s when, of course, you had the the disasters of uh. Uh, well, the the, the fire, uh, Bradford, and then the, there's the higher zone, and then finally the, the Hillsborough disaster, which led to, I suppose, directly to the modern era of football, and in some ways, for better or for worse. Um, so that was the final occasion, Neil, upon which Millwall had its ground closed. Um, I picked out two other games just to close us, because I, I thought, how do we, how do we close the, this this kind of show? And I found it quite surprising that we didn't get closed after the Derby game in 1994, <laughs> when we probably would have expected to have had that, which was a 3-1 home loss in the uh, the, the dread playoffs. Um, Millwall, Mill Millwall is the Daily Mirror banner headline in colour. 1,000 louts hate, uh, on the rampage, hate mob, kick the keeper for Derby um, in the aftermath of the uh, of the and a great old headline, we haven't had this for a long time. The Den of Hate, Neil. The Den of Hate, that was another the one. Den of Hate, yeah. The picture of um Derby players running for the sidelines. Mill, Mill, they like the Mill War, Mill War. Um, there were and, quite a few people that, yeah, well, it was the Den of Hate for people last year. <laughs> that was a great headline, the Den of Hate. Um, but the, 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 we strangely, strangely, is that the right word? I don't know. We, Reg Bird. Did in fact, there's a headline here from a few months after that that playoff game where um, you know incidents during the course of the game and the, and the uh, crowd on the pitch. Um, a few months later, June, when the FA inquiry took place, the Daily Mirror says you you supposed to be you did well, you did well, Reg, and a picture of Reg as the Lions stage a great escape and escaped punishment for a, um, a serious misconduct. I mean, Reg. I know he was a, a wide boy, but blimey, he was a great defender of our club. Now he managed to get us off the hook for that one. Yeah, do you know what? 
people don't speak highly enough of Reg Burr. He, he was somebody, he, up until the end, really, I can remember interviews in the Lion Rawls towards yeah. the end of his life, and he was still a great defender yeah. of the club and Millwall fans. He great man, Reg Burr. Yeah, well, not for the fact that, he, that we haven't seen McDonald's and... Uh, and Pizza Hut still, Reg. If you're looking down you know, on the concourses, but that was no. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 he was the driving force behind the creation of the new Den Sampa Road Stadium. Um, the club were fined one hundred thousand and were ordered to play two matches behind closed doors as a consequence of Derby. But there's a huge butts, listeners. This got suspended for the next two seasons on good behaviour. Um, and how he did that, I don't know, Neil. I mean, it was having been at that game as well. I mean, it was it was. Um, I expected the uh, the book to be thrown at us with our with our history and track record. But Reg, um, if you are listening to this podcast, been the great beyond. You did you did well. You did well to escape that one. Um, and the second one where I thought <laughs> I don't know how we dodged this one either was right. of course yeah well this one has to be one of the great dodges <laughs> in history <laughs> history two thousand and two listeners second of May two thousand and two mill nil uh, Stern John in the last minute uh, one nil uh, one against Birmingham in front of sixteen thousand three hundred nineteen including me again. Um, mill uh, police may sue us over the post match violence. There was a uh, fans hurling bricks, paving stones, flares, and thunder flashes at police lines in Zampa Road after um, a, 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 the game. The Met Police believe it was a planned riot. Um, the disturbance lasted half an hour and a half after the game. It was a major, major incident. Um, I, there's not going to be much I want to say more than that about it, Neil, but um, the fact that we managed to escape. Um, we got off the hook. Here's a report. The this is from the news shopper, 13th of November. Anyone that saw that uh, the incidents that night will know exactly what I'm talking about. But we got off the hook. <laughs> I'm convinced, you know, that as happens in London, if there's a bit of civil disorder to be had, you get people joining in, don't you? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And the estates I... and everywhere else and. I'm not convinced that it was entirely. No, I I, I agree with that, and here's, here's my reason why, listeners, because I was at the game. Um, it was a, it was a midweek game. Was it played on a, a Monday night or a Tuesday night? I can't remember which day of the week it was, but um, I was there with my my, my ex's boy. He was we um, following Millwall at the time, so it had been about twelve. So um, when the goal went in. Which was late, um, post 90th minute. I think it's about 90 plus one when Stern John scored. Um, I said to James, let's, get, let's, let's go, come on, we're not last couple of minutes. Um, let's, let's get out of here. So we actually left the stadium while the game was still, last few moments of it being played out. And we came out and went along um, Zampa. And I saw flames at the end of Zampa. It was kicking off already down there. And so I said to him, come on, we'll, we'll, we'll have to walk the long way. I'm not going to take you at the boy as well through, through that lot. Um, you could see what was kicking off there. So my point being that the disturbances were in progress when Stern John was scoring the goal inside the stadium. Um, no Millwall fan 
um, you've had to really move fast to get from inside that stadium to getting the, the riot going, as, as I saw um, in the few seconds after the goal went in. And we, we were up in the West Upper, we were downstairs and out inside a minute from the goal going in. Um, so I believe you're right. I believe this was linked to outside agencies. Um, I have no proof other than what I saw and just the sheer inability to get a riot organised in such a short space of time. So that's my belief. Back in those days, you didn't have 24-hour news, did you? And no. Things like that. And I can remember reading about it the following morning. And, okay, there was a lot of people on the pitch when I left because I stayed till the bitter end with my son. Yeah. And uh, we went out the back way. Obviously, mm. we were based in East London. So we so we used to go up to Surrey Docks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all this rioting came as a bit of a shock. At time. <laughs> yeah, but I knew there was a fair few people on the pitch and, and they put a line of police over to stop everybody getting to Birmingham. And Yeah, yeah. But to read what had actually happened, and it was... I was worried for the future of the club at the time, I must admit. Uh, yeah, we wondered how Reg Berg got us off. I'd love to know how Theo got us off. I don't think Theo was in a very easy position. He took a lot of criticism online um, from people that have never been near the consequences of their actions <laughs> in the sense of trying to deal with it and continue with Millwall Football Club afterwards. I know that the, the club were called into meetings at the Met Police. I'm sure they would have been badgered and browbeaten into um, all sorts of, you know, the press coverage was horrendous. The police, um, we talk about prosecution of the club. Um, who knows where that would have gone. Um, yeah, I can still remember those posters that they put up at the start of the following season. And yeah, um, turnstiles checking everybody who came in to see if you. They well, introduced a membership scheme, Neil, didn't they? Which was like uh, went down with like a lead balloon of people online. I, I, I don't think he was in an easy position, um, and I only mention it now because um, we didn't get any punishment, um, as the new shopper here puts it. And November Millwall FC off the hook over May Wright. Millwall Football Club will not be prosecuted, they say, after the post-match violence at the Den in May, the, the Metropolitan Police announced. About 900 fans went on a rampage. I don't know about that. I mean, my numbers were impossible to tell from my, where I was. Um, 100 policemen were injured. Um, but the Met has said it was impressed with Millwall's efforts to stamp out hooliganism since May. So I imagine the, the membership scheme that was imposed was a price that the police extracted as part of this deal. Um, they, they mentioned extra investment in, in technology, technology such as cameras, which have dramatically reduced antisocial behaviour. And that also, um, in the light of efforts made and a donation to the charity that helped police in officers, that's money changed hands, basically. Yeah, the old bill, didn't we? Uh, um, so the Met Police decided not to pursue legal action. I don't. Th this idea of legal action against a football club was was always um, hazy. Um, I don't think we wanted to be the first ones that explored how hazy that such an idea might be. Um, you can't blame them, really, can you? I can't. No, uh, Mill FC said it will continue to work with the police to make the den and the surrounding area a safer environment. That led on to um, various things, really. So you had the cameras, you had the, the sound mics that you'll see in the stadium, and also the uh, walkway from South Bermondsey Station to the UAN, which 
has combined to make the den pretty much a secure zone now from from um, you know the visiting point of view in my opinion Coward's yeah, way open for business. Coward's yeah, way. <laughs> I do remember walking behind um, a, the police. I think we were playing Sheffield Wednesday in that season because this was the this was the build up to a lot after a long season of um, I don't know how many Sheffield Wednesday fans and maybe maybe between five hundred and a thousand being escorted by police uh, like it was like something out of the medieval times you know like the arrival of the uh the battle of agincourt we had horses escorting all these people down the Alderton road whilst um they were they, they were watching there were the kind of fringe incidents going along and this mob of, of sheffield fans being moved uh, back to the station whilst incidents took place in every little nook and cranny uh, of, of, uh, as they went along the road so i think the the creation of of the walkway was um took all that out away from everything so um another incident we escaped ground closure but there were consequences which would continue on to this day um there we are i hope we've done that subject justice now I've, 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 it's a strange one to talk about really mate as we said at the start you want to talk about it and do it justice but and hopefully get some of the humor in there but there is also a serious side <laughs> none of these um incidents have ever done us any favors ultimately but um we wouldn't be who we are but for them. So I I go around in circles on the matter, to be honest. Yeah, no. And yeah, there's always a thought that the next one could be number five on the list. Yeah, there we are. That's the, the Greeks had that idea. The pendulum, the fates, didn't we all hang from the thin threads cut by the gods? I think that's probably the best way to leave it there, dear listeners. Big thank you, Neil, for staying with this show. I appreciate it, mate. No problem, mate. And thank you to you too, dear listeners, for joining us today. Until the next one, bye for now. It's Nick and Neil's Summer Millwall History Show. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.